as we begin recovery. And for us, recovery also means spiritual renewal. And in recovery and uh, renewal is a sense of calling. And calling is about, at heart, significance. If every follower of God sensed our significance because God ha has given us that significance, we would, by our very nature, make a difference. What an invitation, a calling to significance to make a difference. There's a Greek proverb that speaks into this. A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Please change the word men to people. What might those trees, figuratively speaking, look like? What's our responsibility and how we grow them as we look into recovery and renewal? Well, from Isaiah 43, there are a couple of indications, particularly in the first part of the passage. Firstly, we are called by name. And that naming calls us into a story. It is God's story and it is our story. And secondly, we're called to endure in that story. I, I, I would love us, I would love us to be a church that risked all to plant such trees that leave a rich story for others, for a future generation. Isaiah 43 really starts in, in Isaiah 40. We have to look at what's been happening in this ancient work of God to understand this. You see, Isaiah is, is not a book by a person called Isaiah alone. He writes 1 to 39, but theologians and scholars would say it's by Isaiah and his school of prophets that he, he brought up. And between them, they make this significant difference, such a difference, that figuratively, figuratively speaking, uh, they've planted spiritual trees that we ourselves are reading from today. Isaiah has therefore died by chapter 40, and the best we can understand is that one of these school of prophets was gifted by the Holy Spirit to, to then take up the mantle. God's comforting passes from one generation to the next. The image of the tree planted by one generation for the next. The psalm says it all. We will tell the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord to the next generation. That's about renewal and it's about recovery. And so I wonder how you are planting for the future, where you may be planting, what that might look like, what's going through your head in terms of the call of God to plant for the future. Because what happens at chapter 40 is that there is a step change. God's message moves into consolation and comfort. It is now less about the wrongdoing and wrongs and the mess that they've made of it, all the things that have gone disastrously wrong, and it's now God saying, and now it's the put right moment. The way for things to be put right is to remember that your story is connected to my story, God's story. I remind you of this through fire and through water. I've got a, the water image right behind me. The images that would mean something to these people. It's a calling by name into God's story and then discovering also our story too. It, it, it's about a connection that is very personal. It's a calling by name, verse one. And we're also given four different attributes of God by name in this passage. 
It's saying that your name matters and one of the damaging things that can happen is when someone's name is misused just by a turn of phrase or how we say a name. We can also remove people's names from them. When God renames people uh, such as um, Abraham to Abraham or Saul to Paul, he does so in a wider context. He's saying, you've been called by name into my story. Uh, and this is really important. I am giving you an identity over and above your own identity. He's showing that this person has responded to God's call and that their past is now not their future. It's why we have naming in baptism. They have a new future connected to the divine comforter. He's folding them into himself. I, I watched Who Do You Think You Are some time ago and one of the people that they followed, the, the historical series, was Noel Clark. And he went to Trinidad and they took him to a church where uh, he was introduced to a dance being done in this church. I mean, what a great idea. And these ladies were dancing and they said to him, what do you see? He said, well, I see some religious people dancing, basically. They said, you are actually seeing 200 years of your history. 200 years of your history in a dance. You see, what had happened was the slave owners had banned people from talking about their identity. They'd renamed them, but it also banned them from talking about their story, their past story. And they were trying to uh, dislocate them from their past. And so they took those into the Christian church where they turned them into dances. And this dance Rather like a bee might tell a, use a dance to show where uh, pollen or nectar is, the dance told the story of the journey into slavery and the journey before slavery. And they could take, uh, they could take Noel all the way back to a town in Ghana based on this dance. There is something very powerful in that. Church as a place of connection, connection and reclaiming of story and being part of a bigger story and past and future combining. That's what we're doing. We're combining and being part of God's story. And very practically, that means that we as followers of Jesus, because we have this story, we're called to ensure that people's identity is honoured that their name is known and valued, that their story is remembered. A very practical example of one I heard of, and you will understand some of you, is the junior office clerk that writes an amazing report and the senior manager comes along, because this happens, and says thank you, and the manager's name ends up on the report, not the junior. We have a responsibility to stand up for those that have that marginal voice. We have a, a duty to enable them to have a story, to reflect our belief that we're known and we're named by God and everybody has the right of a name. Where can you ensure someone has a right of their name? Where can you listen for how people are telling their story? I was just watching a podcast the other day about a language and this person was saying that there's been a, a shift in language that People used to say, I'm fine, and we think they're fine. But if those people are now saying, I'm okay, that one word change tells a different story. And it's about us 
as followers of Jesus, listening to people's story. What are they saying by they've gone from one word to a different word? What does that mean? Where do we then have to step back and say, I need to listen very carefully to this person? Because of course our story and their story is not perfect. It has ups and it has downs. And in terms of who is known and who is named by God, in Isaiah 43, we're reminded that God is not seeking perfect people. The people he calls by name are often the people who are at the margins. Maybe you're looking at a recovery and stepping back out into the world in a business or work or a school or in a family. I wonder how you're looking at that right now. Well, there's going to be a likely route forward, of course, but it may not be God's call. God's route for those of us who hear his call is often the less likely route, the road less travelled. And sometimes it means that we are called to endure in the story, hence the image of fire and water in the passage. There's a famous poem by Robert Frost. The minute I begin it, you will, will recognise it. It begins with these words. The two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And then he says, both roads are worn about the same. And he ends with, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. The calling that we follow, the places that we look to listen to stories, the understanding we have of our story, the way that we listen to people's story and engage them in their, their story matters. I find those really powerful words about understanding what we're called to in this world right now. We're here to help people walk a journey, walk a story, walk forward in very practical ways. Uh, maybe we ourselves though, because of that, we're, we're called to take a different path into the future. What, one that we sense is of God, but maybe we're afraid to begin the ascent towards for all sorts of reasons. Let, let me give you some words of encouragement. I, I have yet to meet a Christian I'm pretty certain of this. I have yet to meet a Christian who hasn't met a moment of endurance in their lives or faith. And those who endure seem to be those who know their story, not just about themselves, but about being called by God into significance. And so I, I just wonder what you may be enduring right now, where you might be called to endure and walk through, not walk away where you are called to be the lone voice within a difficult situation, not be silent within it, where you wish you could remain silent. And yet, because you know this story, because you know your calling and significance, you know, this is a moment. This is a moment that matters. Matters for that clerk who's nameless. Matters for that person who doesn't know the dance that takes them into the past. What difference can you make in that situation that you are enduring or when you see other people enduring? What, what is your calling in that? This may seem a really strange example, but I'm going to share it with you from a TV show called Afterlife. They're sitting on a bench in a churchyard with all the graves behind them. And, uh, and Tony, the character, is contemplating suicide because he does not believe he has any purpose left, his, his wife has died. 
And he's wondering what his calling, what his story, what his purpose is. And then he says to this lady, you can't not care about the things you actually care about. You can't fool yourself. It's not all about me. Even though I'm in pain, it's worth sticking around to make my corner of the world a slightly better place. And Penelope Winton, the lady on the bench, pauses a moment and she says those words. A society grows great when old people plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Then she turns to him and she says, good people do things for other people and you're good. You have so much to give. You see, it's about calling. It's about significance. It's about having a name and having a purpose. And there you have a story of calling, I think, just in that little excerpt, in three parts. What would it be like uh, to be the lady on that bench? Where are you called to be on a bench? Called by God to bring comfort. Comfort, oh comfort my people. Called to sit on the bench a while with someone who needs you alongside. Just to listen to their change of language and think, what does this mean? The bench could be your office. It could be in your home. You could travel with your bench and take it on the train with you. You could say that tomorrow I'm going to put my bench at four o'clock on a, on a hill and just see who comes by. Always carry that bench with you. And then secondly, what would it be like to be uh, Ricky's character and to find a calling through enduring? To find that place, that corner of the world that you are called to make slightly better, to make a slightly better place, even if, if it means uh, you have to call on God's Holy Spirit for endurance to continue through the fire and in the water. And then thirdly, what is it like to be the person called by God to plant trees or whatever they are that you know you will never shade under because your calling is so significant that you will leave a legacy that others will shade under. And God is calling us to plant trees for the future as we love God, make disciples and transform communities as a church, but also in your life called by name into a story, called into God's story that is our story. Calling is your significance.